Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Progressive American. As always, I'm your host, Connor Kelly. It is Saturday, January 23rd. The Trump administration is no more, and the newly inaugurated Biden administration has already begun a dynamic push to undo his predecessor's controversial policies. With the shifting political world, we have no time to spare. Let's just jump into it. On Thursday, President Biden signed an executive order requiring masks on planes, trains, ships, and other means of interstate travel. In addition to the requirements on travel, Biden also required mask wearing on all federal property. This move was far removed from the actions taken by the Trump administration, which was hesitant, if not downright unwilling, to take action against the virus and enact basic measures on federal grounds. And you can tell there's a change, too. When Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked by CNN how he felt about the shift in attitude, he said this. Fauci, Fauci. You've joked a couple times today already about the difference in that you feel in being kind of the spokesperson for this issue in this administration versus the previous one. Can you can you talk a little bit about how free, how much different do you feel less constrained? What is the, you know, I mean, you, you for so many times you stood up behind the podium with Donald Trump standing behind you. That was a different that was a different feeling, I sh I'm, I'm sure, than it is today. Can you talk a little bit about about how you feel uh, kind of released from from what you had been doing for the last year? Yeah, but you said I was joking about it. I was very serious <laughs> about it. I wasn't joking. Um, no, actually, I mean, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be going back, you know, over history, but it was very clear that there were things that were said, uh, be it regarding things like hydroxychloroquine and other things like that, that really was an uncomfortable because they were not based on scientific fact. I can tell you, I, I take no pleasure at all in being in a situation of contradicting the president. So it was really something that you didn't feel that you could actually say something and there wouldn't be any repercussions about it. The idea that you can get up here and talk about what you know, what the evidence, what the science is, and know that's it. Let the science speak. It is somewhat of a liberating feeling. I mean, you were basically banished for a, for a few months uh, there for a while. <laughs> you feel like you're back now? I think so. Seeing that, I can't help but feel a bit more comfortable now that there is a serious effort to combat this virus without it being politicized by a belligerent administration. That said, I really do worry that this won't be received well by some of the more conspiratorial elements of America. And I feel like we have to worry about these guys who not only refuse to wear a mask, but they are convinced that the virus is either not real or is some sort of conspiracy to take their rights away. And to me, that really does speak to some of the issues we're facing here. I think it's a problem that goes to the heart of American politics. We have a problem with excessive individualism. And to be clear, I don't mean individualism in general is bad. Individuals can be remarkably creative, be critical of society in ways that not only point out how something is wrong, cruel, or inept, but there is a limit to how far individualism can go. I, I know some of my lefty friends probably don't approve of John Stuart Mill all that much, at least to some extent, but I do think his harm principle does apply here. The government can and should take action in the prevention of harm against the citizenry, and the fact that there is this element of American society that views any intrusion into an individual's life or ability to live in any other way uh, just, just seems to me to be self-destructive. We can have government-mandated masks because there are 
bodies piling up. Yes, you should be required to wear a mask. Yes, you're going to have some restrictions on what you do with the water supply that you own if you're a major company. There seems to be this element that just does not like intrusions, no matter the cost of deference to those individuals or those group property owners. And it's just the same issue with the lockdowns too. We had this attitude, I think, of, oh, don't tell me to shut down this establishment or don't tell me I can't go out to bars. You have no right to do that. Which, by the way, state constitutions are a bit more broad in their authority than the federal constitution. So they actually can stop you in many cases from doing these things. But at the core of it is an ideological inclination to refuse to do anything on behalf of your fellow citizens. Even, and I understand that not being told what to do is an appealing thing. I don't like being told what to do either. But the fact of the matter is, if you're gonna refuse to wear a mask, you refuse to shelter in place or quarantine during a time when hundreds of thousands of people have died and continue to die, then that's not their fault that they're gonna have to force you. That's on you. We have to really have a shift and a discussion about whether or not we want to be able to work together as a unified country, meaning unified as in a collective interest, or a hyper-individualistic one that cannot work together. Now, no libertarian fantasy where every individual comes along and completely consents to every decision will work, especially in times like this, because we're all going around with our business. We're not all in communication with one another. You, There's no way a society will exist and maintain itself in an emergency when there are people who say you can't force me to wear a mask it's illegal it's illegal. okay that that attitude needs to go it really does and i really do think that america and its citizens need to take a deep look at our the way we have talked about our, our rights and our political culture so that we can actually work together. I'm not saying that you submit to every action that the government promotes, nor am I suggesting that every action taken by the government during this pandemic was good. There are plenty of examples of failures, mistakes, inability to communicate things both on the federal and local level. But that does not change that there is a need for leadership and force, if necessary, to keep people to comply with safety measures. It is not unreasonable for the government to demand things of you when there is an emergency. And I'm sorry, but I really do think that part of the issue was indeed Trump and his attitudes towards the virus, but he was only appealing to a sentiment within the American public that was eating away at any like substantial policy in government for a long time. I mean, if you think about it, it's present in the right in some of its like major figures, at least online uh, on discussions. Ben Shapiro is uh, another example of this. He says things like, oh, how dare you force me to do the, use this decision? You're literally going to send people with guns to, to my place to force me to comply with this rule or that. And of course, that's hyperbolic about what the government actually does. Fines are perfectly capable of getting people to cooperate. And in most cases, people just cooperate with authority anyway. But it's the attitude that you don't get to force me to do things because coercion itself is immoral. And this this attitude, I really, I don't know quite how to describe it because it seems so asinine to me. Yes, coercion in some cases can be harmful, but there's also an element of preventing harm that requires force. Not every person in a society is going to cooperate with the rules that we all agree upon. There is not going to be a cooperative group of people, especially when many of those people believe in things like QAnon and believe that there's a child sex pedophile ring across government and applies this idea to 
Democrats in particular, and says that someone like Trump is going to save us all from the satanic worshipping pedophiles. And when you have things like that in a society permeating, it shouldn't be surprising that the government has to take action against these people when they refuse to comply with safety measures because they're not thinking about it in a rational manner. back ladies and gentlemen thank you for waiting right now we have to turn to impeachment where majority leader schumer has now said that the impeachment trial will be conducted on monday of this coming week republican senator ron johnson has said that he will block confirming any of biden's cabinet members if the democrats proceed with the impeachment saying quote i believe an impeachment trial of a former president is unconstitutional and would set a very dangerous precedent there is no provision in the Constitution for holding such a trial over a former president who is now a private citizen. While it is certainly true that there has never been a sitting president that has been impeached after leaving office, there is absolutely no restrictions in the Constitution as to when or where an impeachment may occur. And there have been officials who have been impeached after they've left. In 1876, Secretary of War William Belknap was investigated by the House for Corruption under Grant and was impeached. The Constitution makes no distinction between federal officers and the president. Impeachments apply to everyone. That I don't think Ron Johnson's words carry that much weight. So long as Minority Leader Mitch McConnell refuses to take any action on behalf of Trump or his allies, Johnson's words are just bluster. They're just means to make him look good in the eyes of Trumpist Republicans who now comprise the majority of the Republican base. And that's going to be what it's going to be like for the next couple of years. They're going to point to the impeachment and they're going to argue that you just impeached a president unconstitutionally, ignoring the fact that the Constitution puts no restrictions. Never mind the fact that the purpose of impeachment isn't just removal, it's punishment. Schumer, as much as I don't agree with many of his policies, should absolutely continue to proceed with this impeachment process. Trump is unfit for office in all ways. He's impulsive, he's neurotic, he consistently implies horrid things about his allies and his enemies when they don't do his bidding. He instigated a riot at the Capitol, and he would likely do the same if he held power ever again. He cannot be permitted to hold power. So long as this continues within the Republican Party, I just want to say to my fellow progressives that we need to change our attitude towards them. I don't mean we need to be lighter on them. We need to make clear that we are no longer playing games. They have held this person, Trump, to no accountability for his actions, and only recently, when he lost by 7 million votes, have they become even slightly inclined to feel outraged towards him. Impeachment is the least we could do. And I understand why there's some caution on the left as well. On the one hand, Trump probably does deserve it to many lefties and many progressives alike. But there's also a risk of distracting from the momentum towards material needs for Americans and progressive politics. And I agree to some extent that there is a risk with impeachment that we could end up giving less leverage and losing momentum. But we can walk and chew gum at the same time. It is imperative that we send a message about what is and isn't acceptable in an American political system. 
and inciting a rebellion, an insurrection against the democratic election system is a key component of that. I understand why many progressives and even some far-left people are inclined to say that Pelosi and Schumer are wasting our time. But ask yourself this, what happens when someone like Trump comes along again? They're smarter this time, they're not going to be as loudmouthed as him, but the attitude remains the same. Will they be so inclined to do what Trump did if he was impeached and prevented from running from office? Or, if we do nothing, will they be inclined to repeat it and just do it at a better way? Will they be more successful? If so, then we have an obligation to take action here and now because it's not just about Trump anymore. It's about whether or not our election system and our society and our ability to run a democracy can be maintained. And I think for one, that's a worthy endeavor. That is what we should be fighting for. Yes, there are material needs, particularly with the loss of jobs that need to be addressed. But we don't have to choose between our jobs, our livelihoods, and our democracy. They're all interconnected. If you want to get progressive policy through, you're dependent to some extent on the democratic system to appeal to as many people as possible to get that through. If it can be overturned because some fascist in a suit says so, or because of some conspiracy theory on some right-wing talk show, then there's no point to taking action here because they can just disregard the people you fight for. You have to be able to make the people's voice matter in law, in consequence, and in reality. That is why Trump not only needs to be impeached, but he needs to be barred from holding public office ever again. He is not qualified. And I hope, and I pray, that some of my fellow left-wingers who are a little less inclined to work with Democrats will be willing to take action here and now. They'll be willing to support them in this effort. Because if they don't, we might not be able to prevent another Trump from coming around. And that is completely unacceptable. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate your support for The Progressive American and my work. With that said, this format was a bit unusual due to a shift in what I'm going to do, and I will be trying to stick with this podcast format in the near future. There were only two stories I wanted to address this week because I wanted to dip my feet into the news commentary element of my podcast, and I think I'm going to stick with it. That said, there are probably going to be more stories and much longer podcasts in the future, but this was my first endeavor. If you have any comments, advice, or otherwise want to reach out to me, you can find me at prog underscore American on Twitter. That is prog, P-R-O-G underscore American. Thank you very much and have a nice day.